0: To a on the road edition of the Garden Report post game show, the Celtics have just won Game Three, one hundred four to eighty seven. I'm Jared Weiss. I'm joined by Sean Heiken of the Athletic and the Lockdown Bulls podcast. It's another fun one. Is this in the, the Celtics is this Bowl the, series is
1: this a United Center report now? this is it's not at the garden so we're calling
0: this a United report although we don't have the uh, naming not, rights for that as not well the move, so though, it's still the garden report the but we are in Chicago uh, we're not dragging anybody out of this show uh, so we're in Chicago we're at the United Center the Celtics just uh, got back in this series mm-hmm. Because Rondo is not in the game. Yeah. And let's talk about what happened tonight. So you have, one, the Celtics played really, really well. And on the other side, uh, Chicago screwed because they lost Rondo. And Rondo was maybe their best player in the series so far.
1: He really was. And... Yeah, I mean on the Celtics side you can say you know, look, all of their role players, you know, we were talking before the last couple of games or after the last couple of games about how they really were not getting anything outside of what Isaiah Thomas was giving them offensively. Tonight Al Horford was making shots, Jay Crowder was making shots, Avery Bradley was making shots, Terry Rozier was even making shots, he didn't really play in the first couple of games, but he scored eleven points off the bench. And yeah, I mean the Boulder just the, the offense just is not function as well when Rajon Rondo isn't on the floor. He pushes the pace, he's the one that gets everybody in the right spots. Everything just gets stagnant when he's not out there.
0: And the the defense is not the same. I think that's where the biggest advantage comes from is Ronda's play calling on defense. Mm -hmm. Almost every single time the Bulls are in transition, he would be yelling out assignments. I mean, he does that really as well as anybody in the NBA. That's one of the things he's really great at, and they need someone to step up. It's not going to be Jerry and Grant or Michael Carter-Williams. We might not really see any of them for the rest of the series. I'll sure we'll see a little bit, but the Bulls are gravitating away from using a point guard and relying on on, uh, Butler and Wade. We saw that in the fourth quarter. Now, on the other side for the celtics before we get to the bulls in part two al horford said he couldn't find a rhythm offensively last game this game he finally found it he was game he was tied for leading score at 18 points so in al horford fashion this game had an 18 point high score uh but he seemed to be kind of the steady offensive presence that the celtics needed tonight
1: yeah he really was and they just ran that pick and roll with him and isaiah just over and over and over again and the bulls had no answer for it we need to talk about the gerald green thing
0: Oh, we're getting to that. We're getting there. We're getting there. You can go for it. Just go for it.
1: I mean, we, when Brad Stevens said before the game that he was going to start Gerald Green, who Sean Grandy, the play-by-play guy for the Celtics, pointed out on Twitter that the last time Gerald Green started a game for the Celtics was over a decade ago. That just seemed like desperation. It just seemed like a total panic move. But it worked. It was a smaller lineup. The Bulls struggled with that lineup. They were spacing the floor. They were throwing shots up. It worked.
0: I mean, it's funny as I.T. and Horford, their pick and roll got better with uh, Gerald Green on the uh-huh. floor. There was one really notable play where they, I think it was out of a uh, out of bounds play, where they set a staggered screen, Green, and then Horford setting a staggered screen for Isaiah. They ran so, that yeah, a lot. Yeah, they ran that a few times, but you know, Isaiah will drive across across the top of the key and then go through the lane. Horford like hides baseline once they see that Horford's getting the ball, they're like, oh crap, what do we do? And then whoever the weak side shooter is, Gerald Green, a couple of those instances. They're so wide open, it's amazing. Now the Celtics are missing a lot of those shots in the first two games, and they made them tonight. They had 17 threes, which was the second most in franchise history, uh, for in a playoff game, I should say. Uh, but really, sometimes the difference, especially for this team, is whether their threes are going in. They were missing a lot of wide open threes. They manufacture better looks tonight, but it wasn't. It's kind of just a bit of that. The threes are actually going down tonight.
1: Yeah, this felt like a little bit of correction for how the series went the first couple of games. I don't think the Bulls are as good as they were in the first two games, and I don't think the Celtics are as bad as they were in the first two games. Tonight, everything kind of, and obviously the Rondo injury changes a lot of things about the dynamic of the Bulls, but the Celtics looked like the better team tonight, just as everybody thought they were the better team going into the series.
0: Yeah, they probably are, but that's all I guess Rondo's not there anymore. Right. Uh, so, does this change the way you feel, or how do you feel the series playing out at this point? I mean, this is kind, we kind of expected them to take this one. It'd be interesting to see how the Bulls bounce back. The Bulls do not look nearly as good without Rondo. I mean, I think, Ron, I think Rondo's impact looked like it was really good, and this really confirmed it for me.
1: Yeah, and now the... Uh... I think think we'll know a lot more after Sunday. I think whoever wins Game 4 is going to be ultimately winning the series. If the Bulls win, then they're up 3-1, and then they only have to win one of the next three games. And I have to think, even as inconsistent as this team is, they'll be able to figure out a way to do that. If the Celtics win, it's tied 2-2. The Celtics have home court advantage back. The Bulls don't have Rondo anymore. And then I kind of have a hard time seeing the Bulls recovering. It might go 7 either way, but I think whoever wins on Sunday is going to ultimately end up winning the series. Well,
0: we're probably in for a long series, and it'll be an ugly one. But, hey, at least it's close and it's exciting. Yeah. So we'll come back in part two. We'll talk about what happened with the Bulls and Celtics more in game three. And we'll talk a little bit about Isaiah Thomas' situation, and maybe they kind of figured out a solution there. Uh, Before we go, Blue Apron. Let's talk about that. Now, if you're constantly on the go and you need to make dinner and you're tired of eating Lean Cuisine, Sesame Chickens, what I eat every single night pretty much, I'm tired of eating it, I want to be able to cook for myself, but I'm too lazy, stupid, and busy to be able to actually grocery shop for myself. So like an adult, I'm using Blue Apron. If you go to BlueApron.com slash GardenReport, you're going to get three free meals and free shipping on your first order. Blue Apron sends you prepaid meals, and they're actually really, really good. So I recommend you use it. Go to BlueApron.com slash GardenReport. We'll be right back on the Garden Report postgame show from the United Center here in Chicago on CLNS Radio and Celtics Blog. Welcome to part two of the Garden Report. We are here at the United Center after the Celtics beat the Bulls in game three. I'm Jared Weiss. I'm joined by Sean Heiken of The Athletic and the Locked on Bulls podcast. Uh, so Isaiah Thomas, he's back from seeing his family out in Washington. He had a, a decent game tonight, but... He didn't really put a stamp on the game like he had in those first two. Uh, tonight, he didn't turn the ball over that much. He didn't get to the line that much. It wasn't this kind of frantic activity that we saw a lot that caused a lot of positive and negative in the first couple of games.
1: Right, and I thought it was pretty interesting that both Isaiah Thomas and Jimmy Butler, both are guys that get to the free throw line a ton during the regular season, neither of them had a single free throw attempt tonight. And, you know, Jimmy was talking after the game about how he didn't have an attempt because he was taking a lot of jump shots, and, you know, you're not, not going to get called for a lot of fouls when you are taking jump shots. I think Isaiah was kind of doing the same thing. He wasn't attacking the way that he usually does. Maybe that was just him being a little bit conservative, not wanting to turn the ball over as much. But you definitely noticed he was playing a different way.
0: There, there was this one particular foul call that kept happening kind of uh, mm-hmm. inconsistently in this game where guy would drive from the elbow and then he'd make the turn around the free throw line. Celtics kept getting that call over and over again. Butler tried it like three times and didn't get the call. Bulls weren't getting it. It was really weird to see, especially in Chicago, to see what it really looked to me to be kind of a lopsided application of the way they were calling those ones. Felicio, I think I hit once or twice for it. Miracic might have gotten hit for one, mm-hmm. which I thought none of them were actually fouls. And uh, coincidentally, Isaiah Thomas is the kind of fouls that he usually draws. He didn't end up getting to the free throw line. But it was weird to see a game where free throws tend to play a huge role in most of these matchups, but it didn't really tonight.
1: I will say that made the whole thing a lot more fun to watch when they weren't having to stop play, having guys go to the free throw line. It was a lot more free flowing, at least on the Celtics side. The Bulls' offense was kind of stagnant, but Oy. at least it wasn't just a whole bunch of stoppages for free throws. But I, you know, I think both, I, th- I think maybe there was a little bit of a disparity in the calls, but I think both sides actually did a pretty good job of not fouling on defense. And obviously, the Celtics played much better defense tonight than the Bulls did. The Bulls let the Celtics get a lot of easy baskets, but they weren't really contesting in the way that they were fouling.
0: That that too, but also the Bulls didn't get into transition like no. they were in the first few games because Rondo's not there, so he's not forcing turnovers, he's not pushing them in transition. And the Celtics are having really bad issues with matchup confusion and transition. They were trying to get everything organized, they couldn't do it. They didn't have to deal with that issue that much tonight. I don't know if it's a solved issue for the Celtics necessarily, or just an issue that they don't have to deal with anymore. But either way, the Bulls aren't really didn't really put any pressure on the Celtics defense tonight, except for in that second quarter run where they made it from twenty to one, and the Celtics are. Able to, uh, they were able to channel their inner Kevin Garnett via a voicemail left on Cert the athletic trainer's uh, voicemail, where uh, KG gave them encouragement and words that were not supposed to effing say on this show. So we probably won't go into that. But it was pretty. It was, it was a pretty, really cool storyline. Uh, the Celtics were. I guess they must have listened to it over and over again at halftime because they came out and just blitzed the Bulls out of the game in the third quarter and held strong in the fourth quarter with that second unit led by Avery Bradley.
1: Yeah, that was what I was really impressed by with the Celtics was so they get up to this twenty point lead early in the first half, and then the Bulls come back and they all come almost all the way back. They lead uh, they, the Celtics only lead by three at halftime, and Jimmy Butler at that point I think is one for eight or one for nine from the field, and we're thinking, okay, Jimmy's going to heat up, the Bulls are going to run away, and then the Bulls and then the Celtics come out and blitz the Bulls again in the second half and just kind of run away with the game. Now, the, as far as the Bulls go. They had a lot more success when they were running basically a no-point guard lineup with Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade, Paul Zipser out in the backcourt rather than having to play Jaron Grant or Michael Carter-Williams because both of those guys were awful tonight, and I don't really see what the solution is going forward because you can't play that no-point guard lineup 48 minutes because you're going, to have, you're going to have to play one of those guys. Do you give Denzel Valentine a look? I don't know. That's going to be a huge hole for the Bulls. I
0: like the, I like the idea of putting in Valentine because MCW just can't play anymore. Both of them are disaster. Yeah, Grant, Grant's a better option, I guess, but... Eh but they did they did play well i mean butler had his big run at the yeah. second or the second game of the series, did it in game one, did it again in game three, where the last like two minutes of the third quarter, he had like three field goals in a row. Yeah. Just went crazy. last such effort. The difference was, when he did that in game one, the Celtics were only up by three points, so he was able to turn it around, but they were up by 13 points when so he did it in this game. So And the Celtics kept hitting back. Olenek made some nice plays. Terry Rogier had a huge, huge second half. He was one of the most important players in this game. The energy that he brought on both ends, the Celtics' plan of just having... Wings crashing the boards and jumping over rebounders actually worked. They actually mitigated Robin Lopez's rebounding for the most part, even though he he definitely kicked Al Horford's ass on the offensive glass a couple times. At the end of the day, Horford had more rebounds, and Lopez wasn't that big of a factor in this one.
1: And I think a big part of that was the adjustment that bringing Gerald Green in going with a smaller lineup, because if Robin Lopez has to chase guys around the perimeter, you've seen this the whole season with Robin. He's great when he's guarding more traditional big men you know, like Amir Johnson or, you know, Al Horford when he's playing more inside and kind of the lineup they had before. But when he's matched up with a guy like a LaMarcus Aldridge or a Dirk or Miles Turner or somebody like that who can hit an outside shot, he's not nearly as effective on the defensive end. And so he's, uh, you, know, you know, spacing the floor more and, you know, giving Al Horford more room to operate inside and making Robin cover more ground. That's a bad matchup for the Bulls.
0: All right, well, we'll see what happens in Game 4. We'll be back for that one from the United Center. Hopefully, I'll get my voice back by then. Uh, for Sean, you can find him at Highkin on the Twitter machines. You can find me at Jared NBA. Don't forget to sign up for Blue Apron using com slash garden report. You'll get three free meals and free shipping. Please do it because it really helps out our show and allows us to go on the road with the Celtics when they're in the playoffs and get to hang out with guys like this, which is always fun.
1: Well, is that a good thing? Yeah.
0: I got my kicks. I'm going to say, I'm getting pizza later. I'm happy. So that'll do it for us here on the Garden Report post game show from Chicago. We will see you after game four Sunday evening again from the United Center on CLNS Radio and Celtics Blog. Peace out.